Welcome to the Academy of Esports Episode 2, Introduction to the Academy of Esports. I'm your host, James O'Hagan. This is the podcast where I, as your host, break down and build back up those topics in education and esports that concern me. This week, I will focus on the topic of the philosophy and ideas behind the Academy of Esports. So let's get started. And in last week's episode, it was the first and premier episode of this podcast, and we focused on what are esports. For a lot of educators, and it's not uncommon for educators to hear the term esports and immediately wonder how it relates to them in education, but for educators, esports simply is competitive video games, so actually playing competitive games. And I feel it's important to reiterate what that means because this is a very new topic for a lot of people. A lot of people don't understand how that can relate in education, and I hope through this series of podcasts that I will enlighten you in the ideas of what makes esports so important in our educational world and why we should be investing time and efforts into bringing our students into esports. So I wanted to talk this week about the philosophy behind the Academy of Esports. Um, this isn't something that I came into lightly. Uh, in fact, uh, this evening I was taking a long drive and I came across a podcast episode that I had done in 2015 with Vicki Davis, the cool cat teacher. And in that podcast, as I listened to it, I realized and I felt that I didn't do a very good job of laying out um, some of the basics behind esports. I tried to jump ahead to a lot of the cool things and a lot of the interesting things that I find related to esports, but I also assumed a lot of the knowledge base for um, the group that I was speaking to in that podcast. And so what I realized I must do is take a step back and, under, and, and help people, uh, educators, administrators, uh, students even, why it is we would want to do this at the high school level. So as I've thought about this for the last several years, and, and my time in esports has, was started in 2015, um, and even before that, back in 1999, uh, when I had my first computer club at uh, Heritage Middle School in Lansing, Illinois, and a lot of those students, um, if I communicate with them on Facebook or through other means, um, it still comes up sometimes about that club and the, and the time that we spent together playing games like StarCraft. Um, it, 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 it takes me back to that I've been involved with esports for a very long time, and it, and it just so happens now that it's all come together into this, this really meaningful pathway. Um, so in 2015, I was interviewed because we had just launched our initiative in the Rockford Public Schools around esports at Guilford High School. And part of that process for me was to, to bring that team to fruition. Um, part of that process involved looking not just at the importance of the game itself, but also looking for what else that it impacted. At the time, we were asking for a $22,000 investment. Now, the Rockford Public School District budget was about $428 million, which in district terms, $22,000 really isn't a whole lot of money. But for the idea to say that when you do have limited staff or you do have limited district resources and you're asking people to pay premiums out of pocket for insurance and you're asking for paraprofessionals to work at the salaries that they do or bus drivers to work at the salaries they do or support staff to work at the salaries they do, 
every little bit of an expenditure is scrutinized. So it was important going into this that I really took into account the entirety of this investment. So again, this goes beyond just us playing video games. And so as I was developing the philosophy of the Academy of Esports, um, I kept that in mind because I've always kept that in mind. Um, Esports is more than just playing video games. And so when I talk about the Academy of Esports philosophy, esports, and this is the this is the philosophy here, esports allows schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote physical and mental health, and increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We cannot forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals, and the vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. And so it is within those ideals that I want to speak briefly tonight. Um, In some other episodes, we'll go deeper into redefining athletic culture, for example, or diversifying your opportunities for student participation. But I felt that it was important for me to lay further groundwork for this discussion that we're having. Remember, we're keeping our episodes only at about 30 minutes in length. So I want to make sure that we're not biting off too large of a chunk. And if you see me look down so often, it means I'm still checking to make sure that uh, I'm not running over the 30 minutes. It's very easy to do in this format. And I don't want to do that because I don't want to give you, the listener, uh, too much information at one time. So let's break down these different parts. So we have eSports allows schools to redefine their athletic culture. Um, I came up in uh, San Mateo, California in high school, and I had a lot of fantastic opportunities at my high school. I did participate in high school football. I was a nose tackle and uh, offensive tackle, and I played some center as well. Wasn't good at all. Uh, as a center. And um, also during the spring season, uh, I was involved with track and I threw shot put and discus. Again, I was not your premier shot put or discus thrower. Um, I was interviewed earlier this week uh, by the Wall Street Journal. And one of the, the quotes that they took from me and placed into the story was, if I had the opportunity to play fo- uh, play video games instead of football, I would have taken uh, video games. And that's to paraphrase the quote, my own quote. What was left off of that quote, though, was the reason, there's a few reasons why I would have done that. Well, first, I love game- video games, even though I am absolutely, like I said in the previous episode, I am not the best person when it comes to playing video games. I'm not good at all. But I do have a love for playing games. But if you had given me the choice in high school, I absolutely would have taken being on a video game team versus football. And that's for a couple reasons. One big reason is I don't like getting hit, which is ironic considering that I play rugby. But I I just, at that age, I didn't like getting hit. It felt, even with the pads and the helmet and everything else, I didn't didn't feel like um, I enjoyed it. In fact, uh, I remember... 
after lunch, I would almost dread the idea of going to football practice. Um, it just it just didn't appeal to me. And track in the spring was fine. Obviously, now I wasn't getting hit in track, but I was doing it more to fill time and, and be in the weight room because I felt that that's what was needed for me to be ready for the football season. So, um, I but those were my choices as my athletic culture went. I, I was not a fan of tennis. Um, badminton, I guess, would have been a sport I could have played. Golf, uh, I was terrible. Um, I'm still a terrible golfer. I had no interest in being on the golf team. Soccer, way too much running. And baseball, while I have a tremendous love for baseball, I know I don't have the talent to play baseball. Um, I always joke that I wish I could have been a knuckleball pitcher, and I'd probably still be playing today if I had taught myself to throw a knuckleball, but I didn't. But despite all the opportunities that I had at Hillsdale High School, I don't feel that my athletic culture was diverse enough for me. And I feel that esports now allows us to look at the athletic culture of your high school or your school and look at it through a critical lens of, are we serving all of our students? And are we allowing all of our students to participate in athletic endeavors that, that interest them, that they feel that they want to take a high stakes interest in? Um, I don't think that we always do that, and we don't always do that very well. I do applaud a state like the state of Illinois, who about 10 years ago said, they were going to make bass fishing an athletic endeavor that was sanctioned by the IHSA, which I think is fantastic to include that because you think of bass fishing and you think of sitting in a boat for several hours and throwing and casting a line. But what's fascinating is, is that that sport in 10 years has become a important sport in the state of Illinois. And even this week, the National uh, High School Sports Foundation, uh, I believe that's the correct acronym or correct name of the group, came out and said they believe that esports, this is the association that oversees all high school associations in all states, high school athletic associations in all states. And they said that they want to see esports as sanctioned by high school athletic associations. The last time that they made a recommendation for a sport to be sanctioned was in 2000, and the sport was lacrosse. So you can see that the national organization sees esports as being important um, in the athletic culture of state athletics, high school athletics. So with that said, as we redefine athletic culture, we also need to diversify our opportunities for student participation. And that's what esports also allows us to do. So while on one hand you're diversifying your athletic culture, on the other hand you're saying, here's more opportunity for students to participate in something and in unique ways. Um, esports does not, again, have to be all about playing games. Yes, it is a fantastic way to play games. And what's great about esports is it's not just one game. The game that a lot of high schools do focus on at the start is League of Legends, which is a game that was developed by Riot Games. It's free to download. It's very popular. Um, about 70 million people a month 
play the game. But there's other games, too, that can be adopted and played and provide students opportunities to shine in specific eSports. So, for example, uh, one of the games that's very popular also worldwide is called Rocket League. And Rocket League is a great game if you're an elementary or a middle school uh, educator who wants to bring eSports into that level. Rocket League allows you to... um, use cars, rocket-powered cars, to play soccer or hockey or basketball even by bumping a ball or a puck. Um, no violence, and it, it's just a tremendously fun game that can be changed based off of physics. It can be watched right now. If you turn on twitch.tv, you could go and find uh, Rocket League games being played right now and experience it for yourself. So it... it it allows us to have a diversity of games that allow that allows us to engage various students, but also various roles, too. So while some students may be very good at playing games, there may be other students who are great managers or even coaches uh, of, of eSports within, within your um, school. I know that when I talk to a lot of educators, they're kind of scrambling right now. They... they there's a lot of enthusiasm, from, especially from students around esports, and they wonder, how do I coach this? What, what do I do to even get this started? And really, um, what's great about, again, this, this opportunity that you have to engage students in unique ways is that a lot of the students will teach you what they need to know. Now, that's not to say this should be um, a, sort of a free-for-all um, there's a lot of, and, and my minor at Purdue University was in coaching, there is a lot of other um, philosophies and ideals that you can have, as, at least as a coach, um, such as organizing, setting times, setting, helping to set expectations for your esports athletes. All those things are important. But as we diversify these opportunities, allow students to have ownership. And as you diversify these opportunities, it's also very important that you consider um, genders on your team, whether they're male, female, or even fluid. Um, You want to make sure that you're trying to engage as many students as possible. And there was even a story that came out this week that I never even considered was um, the racial divide in esports. And I didn't think too much. I, I never really considered race um, in esports because I had I had seen a lot of um, European and Asian teams, but what was noted is the lack of 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 Hispanic and African Americans in sports that are traditionally PC focused. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Meaning, the games are typically played on a PC you find that Hispanic and African-American esports athletes come from the uh, console-based system, so Xbox and PlayStation. In fact, you look at where NBA 2K got their start, and those players all played on console systems. So it was PS4 or Xbox is where they had to prove themselves. And it was a much more racially diverse group of people who was selected by NBA 2K teams to be their representatives which was very interesting. So as we diversify opportunities for student participation, you don't want to just um, open up your esports teams to those who are 
uh, coming to practice, you want to actively recruit. You want to go out and bring in kids. You want to let them know what kind of games you're looking at. And you don't have to be competitive in all games. You can still, if you were running a gaming club, let's say, for example, at your school, and you want to have a competitive aspect, you can still have your competitive aspect. You can still have your your varsity presence with various games that you're looking to compete in, but you can also still have your gaming club there. And perhaps that's where your other games, your esports games that you wish to compete in, are born out of. So it's important to... Um, go out and get everybody. So male, female, all races, and bring them in and give them something that they feel they can connect with. Another big component around the Academy of Esports, philosophically speaking, is the promotion of physical and mental health. Um, There is a belief or a stereotype of what a gamer looks like. And I don't want to say that it is a a social introvert um, necessarily. I I spoke at um, two classes last week at a high school, uh, a a class on sports and society. And I asked the class, these were high school students, juniors and seniors, and I asked them, what did they think of when when they think of a, a gamer? And they described as male, skinny, Pale, um, usually a diet consisting, both classes said a diet consisting of Mountain Dew, though one said I think Cheetos and the other one said Doritos. Um, they play the games constantly, and uh, that, was, that was their perception of, of a gamer. And I was, it was important for me to let them know that a gamer is very different than an esports athlete. So For example, I could go to a batting cage and I could go hit a baseball uh, for several hours, but that doesn't make me a baseball player. That just makes me somebody who who can hit a baseball in a batting cage. I can go throw a football in my backyard, but that doesn't make me a football player. I can play a video game for several hours, but that doesn't make me an esports athlete. There are physical and mental... Um, attributes that an esports athlete has to be aware of and the ways that our brains operate in, in esports. So, for example, if I am an esports athlete, one of the things I have to be very cognizant of, and the, and the top level esports athletes are like this, is they have to be cognizant of their diet. They cannot just consume vast amounts of caffeine and eat a diet consisting of high saturated fat foods. It just does not work that way. Um, They have to be eating as if they were training for um, any athletic competition. Um, They also need to incorporate into their workouts uh, weightlifting of some kind. Uh, Weightlifting does help with task management. Also, you want to include um, instances of yoga or meditation because when your beats per minute of your heart get up over 100, you have to be able to control your breathing and your thoughts as you have these high-intensity esports games taking place, these matches. So it is important to think of of that in in our training as well, too. 
as well as aerobic training. Aerobic training helping to, uh, con- again, control your heart rate, uh, control your thinking processes, keep your mind clear in these events. And I was even, um, I, I do participate in CrossFit, and I was thinking about grip strength and how you develop grip strength, being able to hold on to something tightly and being able to manipulate something uh, with long periods of time. So as you're clicking your mouse, moving your mouse around on the pad, um, not having it slip out your fingers, being able to touch it very delicately and control the muscles there. Uh, Grip strength becomes something that is incredibly important. So in the Academy of Esports, we're not just talking about the, the need of having great uh, gamers, but we're also talking about having students who are mentally and physically prepared to play matches. And so um, if you think you're going to start a club or a team and you're going to then just go out there and have them play games, you could have students do very well. But it is important to impart on students as you think about your your team structure having these um, different instances of of weight training, of aerobic training, of meditation. Um, I always I, I was telling uh, my one of my CrossFit coaches last week. I said as I was explaining to him what esports are, and he kind of laughed. I said, "Look, I said as a, as a CrossFit coach, you should understand that esports athletes need you." Uh, to assist with training. In fact, um, the Sacramento Kings NBA 2K team has Shaquille O'Neal as a general manager. And that general manager also went out and hired a UFC fighter, so Ultimate Fighting MMA fighter, to be their mental and physical coach. So it's again, it's not just this it's not just this understanding that they're going to play games. They're going to play games, but they also have to be mentally tough and physically prepared to play matches if they want to be top-performing athletes. And of course, a lot of this comes down to increasing collegiate scholarship pathways. The Academy of Esports is all about creating opportunity for students, and it is about those collegiate scholarships that draws us in at high school. And the only way well, I should say, no, I shouldn't say the only way, but to increase that opportunity, your schools or your school district does need to um, formalize your involvement in esports. So, yes, you can have teams that run it as clubs and participate in tournaments, but where your, your team is going to get noticed is when you have a formalized involvement in esports beyond just the club or the common or random um, tournament. In fact, this week, um, PlayVS, which is a company out of uh, Santa Monica, California, um, did partner with um, the National High School uh, Athletic Association to uh, help to to provide structure and uh, formalize these uh, scholarship opportunities for students by through that structure. So the um, the structure is in place. Now I know a lot of People in certain states or certain um, areas of the country have done this grassroots for years. They've they've pulled together uh, their own resources. They've created their own leagues. Some have used um, Facebook as as just a way to to bring everybody together. Um, but if we're going to get serious about this, 
we need to have things down in writing. It can't be one person uh, running all this for your league. You need to have, for example, a board of advisors or a board of directors, uh, democratically elected um, summits with coaches need to take place so that your coaches are all on the same page. Uh, right now, it is very much at the high school level on how these leagues are being organized in a lot of ways. It is a wild, wild west. It also can become something that is politicized. For example, if somebody leaves uh, a school district and then if they're the owner of it, what happens? Who owns it after that? Is it given to the community or is that person take it with them? So it's very important that we, as we increase these collegiate scholarship pathways, that we look to organizations that are formalized um, that will allow us then to um, uh, protect and legitimize our leagues that will then increase these collegiate scholarship pathways. And the most important thing of all this about all esports is play. I, as an elementary educator, was all about having my students have ample time to play. And I was, and I'm thinking about my own experience as an educator. And when I had fifth grade students, we usually got two recesses at least a day. They got one at lunch, and then we would usually go out at the end of the day because they needed it. They needed the opportunity to run around. They needed the opportunity to socialize. And now, when we're talking about esports at the high school level, students are usually getting 30 minutes of lunchtime if they're lucky, if they're not taking something else, if they're not trying to do something else, if they're not leaving campus to go somewhere else. Um, so there's really not a lot of play that's taking place. And when they get done with school, if they're not part of an athletic team, they go home or they go to a job. And if they go home, uh, in this day and age, it's very easy to disconnect yourself from those around you and connect into the world in other ways through social media or through uh, their computers or not connect at all if they choose to. And what we're talking about with this kind of play in esports at the high school level, we're talking about giving students a chance to, for us as educators, to harness the high interest of our esports athletes, those who want to play these games, and bringing them together to play and develop uh, develop positive social environments. Uh, one of the things that I am bothered about in in esports, especially when we're talking about teenagers, is the level of toxicity. And when I say toxicity, I mean uh, students who are or ch- uh, people. I shouldn't say students. I guess maybe they are, but teenagers, young adults who have a habit and a tendency to use uh, inappropriate language, uh, racial slurs, without even really thinking about what it is that they're doing. They'll just toss it out in a match. And what, what, what high school esports allows us to do is to teach that good uh, citizenship, that good sportsmanship uh, that we expect all of our, our student-athletes to have. And so that is in a 30-minute block, a 30-minute session, um, that is the philosophy of the Academy of Esports. And that will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. And you may follow at Jim O'Hagan on Twitter. That's spelled J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N. And while you're at it, you can also follow uh, T-A-O Esports. That's T-A-O Esports 
on Twitter. That stands for the Academy of Esports. So it's T-A-O Esports, all one word, on Twitter. It's a great way to get the latest blog post, podcast, and news coming out of the sports and education world. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com and through Flipboard, an app Flipboard, or your favorite RSS app, follow the latest in esports news and research directly impacting education. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com slash TAO Esports. Thanks again, and I look forward to our time again next week.